it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada. And it's spring weather in Ontario, Canada. 18 degrees, about 65 Fahrenheit on the 5th of November. It's lovely out there. And we have episode number 59 of the Yacking Show. And this is where we talk about life, business and more. And we bring you tips and ideas for a changing world. As always, we have interesting guests. Today's is no exception. It's going to be a fun show. Someone I've known for a while, but it's not my job to introduce him. So first, I must welcome Kathleen, who will introduce our guest. So hi, Kathleen. Good to have you back on the show again. Hello, Peter. Um, it's great to be here as always. So um, yes, we do in fact have a, a wonderful guest here with us today. But first, I'd like to thank all of our audience for tuning in uh, and, and watching us. We so appreciate you tuning in and your comments. So do please keep them coming. And if anyone out there is interested in becoming, uh, being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. So today we have Tim Gibney as our guest. He is a personal and business coach. He is known as the resilience doctor and we'll have him tell you more about that. So welcome, Tim. How are you doing today? Absolutely wonderful. And going back to Peter's weather report, it's <laughs> fabulous in November to have this. I'll tell you. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Tim, I've just given our audience a little bit about you, a little snippet. So please uh, go ahead and tell our audience a little bit more about your background and what it is that you do as the resilience doctor. Okay, well, first of all, and I, I say this with a sm uh, smile on my face, but I'm serious at the same time. I would just as soon be asking the questions not answering them, <laughs> because I know I'm better at asking than answering. Well, so, we'll have to see about that. <laughs> yeah, you could be the judge, that's for sure, yeah. Uh, a little bit about me, uh, married uh, to Debbie. I have two adult daughters. I have got one granddaughter. Uh, grew up in Western Canada, moved to Ontario 28 years ago. Uh, I, guess, I, I guess you could probably put it this way, I like variety. Because if you ever saw my, um, how could I phrase it, my so-called selected achievements, I have bounced around a little bit in my life, in my earlier life, and it's given me a great deal of information that I, that I try to help people with. So that, that gives you a little bit of background personally, is what it is. Did you want me to talk a little bit about... Uh, my background or yes well i we will go get you going because yeah. i know having known you for a while i know you have an interesting background um start us off with how you got into being self-employed and then a business owner and i think you've stayed like that for most of your working life correct exactly if there's as i jokingly have said to people i'm a serial entrepreneur <laughs> and that's a step above a serial murderer so it's well, there, there are many of those around <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> No, I'll probably start right from the first job that I had as an adult, and you'll see how, whether I can't focus or not, I'm not sure. But the first job I had as an adult was I became an orderly in a hospital. Oh. And uh, I did that because I was 19 years old, and I knew there was more women working in the hospital than there were men. <laughs> so that's, uh, and needless to say, I didn't meet my wife in a hospital, so it's, uh, I, after that, and I was in that for about a year and a half, two years, and I, I frankly enjoyed it because I was able to get, you know, a, a day job, which was seven to three, and I still could do whatever I wanted to do. But my father was in the funeral business, 
And in, in the back of my mind always was, you know, it's always intrigued me about what my dad did. And so I apprenticed in the funeral service. Oh. But I didn't do it with my father, even though he had his own funeral business. I just, I, I was in Regina. I was in Saskatoon. Then I came back to work with my father for a while. And then I went and worked in Kelowna. And then I saw the light and realized that it wasn't for me. And so I started a manufacturing business after my father sold the business. And, uh, well, if I, I'll, I'll go a little bit of a sidelight or sideline on, on this one, is that the, I'm a... I'm a very focused and driven individual. So when I made up my mind I was going to be in this manufacturing business, I knew that I would be a success. Well, I should have told my actions that because my actions proved how wrong I was. In the first year, we lost, I think it was $100. This was a long time ago. Yeah. But I'd only paid myself $3,000 for the whole year. Wow. And then it was, it was, it was, it, frankly, it was just a blessing because it, it made me realize that I didn't know it all. And that's probably shaped my entire life. I'm not afraid to ask people for other information, even if it's contrary to what I'm thinking, because it may, has always made me think differently. So we had, so uh, we'll get, make a long story short from the end of the first year to the year we sold about 10 and a half years later. We increased our, our sales volume 604% in about 10 and a half years. Wow. I mean, it was massive, massive growth is what it was. And the nice thing is we didn't increase staff. We just became very, very effective in what we were doing. And because of that, one of my competitors was about 150 miles away. I think he got scared. And so he decided to buy us out. And then I worked for him for a while, and because he was very left-brained and I'm very right-brained, it was like bumping up against the wall every day. And so after, I, he, he had me sign a one-year contract, and after nine months, he came in one day later, in, no, he's 150 miles away, got there later one day, and he came in the door of his office, which used to be mine, and he was vibrating. <laughs> and I, you know, my, my intuition says, oh, something's up. And five minutes later, he said, uh, here's, your, here's your check for this month and the final three months that you're, uh, that you're here, get out. <laughs> oh, wow. I, and I gotta be honest with you, I was, as much as I'm fairly bold, I was a little taken back. Well, yeah, but yeah. about, <laughs> about four, four blocks from my office on my drive home, and you got to remember, this was in dis in late no oh no it was in uh, it would have been about September. I just ye yelled out the biggest hallelujah that I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life because I realized I had the shackles taken off of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I ran for city council and I ran for school board at the same time because I had nothing to do. And amazingly, I get elected to both and then make a long story short that's uh, shortly after well i guess within the next year or so i uh was offered a fabulous job to move in ontario so that that gives you a little bit of an idea there but okay. it was shortly after we got to uh to ontario is that my uh old, my older daughter who was in grade eight came home and told me a story and i will it changed or transformed the way i look at things he said 
or she said, Dad, I got to talk to you because I was working out of the house. So she said, I said, what, what is it, Charlotte? And she said, Dad, all the girls in my class, they go home and they get beaten. And I, I said, what? And she says, oh, yeah, they, they tell me that they go get home and their dads hit them all the time. And the first thing that came to my mind was, how do they manage? Grade eight. You know, I mean, this is, this is a development time. Yeah. And not long after that, my daughter, younger daughter, Nicole, she, uh, she came home and she told me a story about how the uh, substitute teacher was, was kind of like stretching in class and then would swing and s smack the back of the kids, the boys' heads. I mean, it, it was mind-blowing to me, but it, it, all that did for me was, again, I asked, you know, how do they survive? How do they manage? How, do they, how are they going to, you know, live life, you know, what way grade two and grade eight people should be living? Mm -hmm. And it started me off on a, on a journey that's lasted to this day, and it really transformed the way I, way I operate. Because I started interviewing, like, prisoners of war, people that have been abused, both men and women. Uh, people with debilitating illnesses and injuries. I, I interviewed a, a young woman, she was 21, but she'd gone blind at age seven. And I asked them all the same questions. I think there was 11 or 13 questions in, in that area there. And I was only doing it just so I could just understand them. And it was having nothing to do with, a, with changing profession. It was, I was just so intrigued and I wanted to tell my, my daughter's stories so that when they had garbage and trying times in their lives happen, they would all of a sudden, oh, but these people were able to manage it. I should be able to, too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I went on far too long, but that just gives you up. No, that's a very interesting background, Tim. So explain to us then how this evolved into what you are now calling yourself the resilience doctor. Oh, okay. Um, so when I first, when I, after about three years, I started to see patterns. And so I, I made some notes and I said, oh my God, there was eight particular traits that they all used and they used them at particular times. And the interesting thing about the traits, and I didn't realize this right away, but they all fit into uh, what, what I call our, our, our work plan because we decide, we do, and we deliver. And they all interconnect into that. So whether you're working or whether you're trying to lose weight or whether you're having self-doubts or whatever it is, it all goes back to decide, which is thinking. Do has a lot to do with action, but also thinking. And deliver. Because when we deliver something to somebody, it has to be, we have to have a thought process in it. Mm -hmm. As, you know, as to who are these people, how am I going to deliver it, you know, and, and those types of things. And the funniest thing is that I was, I operated under Tim Gibney, but, oh, I guess it's probably eight or nine years ago, minimum. I was working with a lady in California, and we were talking about different things, and she all of a sudden just said, time out, Tim. You call yourself Tim Gibney. And I said, well, that's what my mother gave me as a name. That was. <laughs> and she said, no, no. She says, you're more than that. Could you write down what you, or type out what you do on a page or two? And she says, when we talk in 10 days or no, now I would like to have it before just so I could understand what you do. 
So I typed it out, whatever it was, sent it off to her. And so when we talked 10 days later, she says, Tim, you're the resilience doctor. Ah, there we go. And I said, oh. and that was for free. Yeah, very good. <laughs> so I, I don't know whether that told you an, an enough, Kathleen, but it gives you an idea where, how it became that. And I got to, I got to, ask you to add on to that your little and i've again terry what's the, the animal oh, it, oh it's called a tardigrade tardigrade i always couldn't want yeah. to mix that up just tell that, that, that's the, the the highly uh educational one most people call it the water bear okay well tell kathleen wh what it is and and, okay, how you chose uh, that uh, one. and i didn't realize this up until oh i is probably maybe about a year after this is that the water bear can be frozen you know picked up in in uh, you know let's say in a pail and they're by the way they're very minute if you ever uh, you know if you have a uh, if you have don't have a digital watch and you see the numbers on a watch if you took let's say the letter three and cut it in half mm -hmm. that would be the size of a tardigrade or wow. water bear but you can pick them up because they live in water they're the, they're the most resilient mammal on our planet but you could pick it up in a pail of water and freeze it, freeze it solid. And 10 years later, if you thaw it out, it will swim away. Wow. That's resilience. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> that's, that's unbelievable. <laughs> it is. It truly is. I mean, when I found that out, I said, oh, wow. I said, so I, so I, I in fact, I'm glad you brought that up, Peter, because I, forgot all about it to be very honest no I, re I remember you telling me about it a long time ago and uh yeah. I, I was amazed about it yeah no that that's very good and very appropriate for what you do as well so let, let me ask you one um i've known you i want six eight ten years quite a long time anyway eight, and eight uh, to ten, I'm sure, eight yeah. to ten yeah yeah we, we met we got to tell this story we met on a, a workshop uh that was held by a small business organization and we were not very impressed with the presenter and i think we that's when we met we were sitting next to one another making sort of snide comments about how how we could do this job a hell of a lot better than he was <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i think we nearly got chucked out and then we adjourned to the tea table and consumed more than our share of chocolate cookies and tea but anyway that that's the sort of escapades we've got up to over the years um but as long as all that time i've known you you're always studying something you're always learning something and it might be something to do with your your faith and i know you are a man of faith it might be to do something with business psychology uh the municipalities misdeeds you name it you're always studying something so what what are you studying now well in fact and it's probably related to the covid 19 okay. situation yeah and and yet i saw it before this happened and i call it our ability to adapt mm -hmm. and and frankly it's it's affected everybody no matter Absolutely. who we are sure and and the key thing is that I, and I, I, I've been thinking, thinking about it at length. And I heard a speaker many, many years ago talking about somebody saying they had hardening of the categories. <laughs> yeah. Not hardening of the arteries, but hardening of the categories. categories. In other words, it's got to be this way or no way. Right. And I think in the world that we're living in, so much is changing so fast that if we don't start to become more adaptable, we're really, really sunk. Mm -hmm. I really, really believe that. 
In fact, and it's, uh, you know, if, if, if we have our, our views that are, are so firm and unchangeable, what does it say about us? Really? Right. And, and sometimes you have, to, you have to look a little bit different. And, and I'm a firm believer because our life is a, is a constant journal from A to B. Because once we move from A to B, the B becomes an A, and then we have right. another B. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, there's ups and downs, and there's bumps along the way. And all of those affect us. The good things affect us, of course, positively. But the bad things, we will almost look in a mirror, and then we start to question ourselves. And it's those thoughts that we have, the questioning of ourselves, that, I mean, it's, it just, it's mind-boggling what our thoughts do to us. I mean, that's a good point, Tim. I mean, if you're looking at the current of world events, um, it's been very divisive. Uh, it's either you're in this camp or you're in that camp. Yeah. And the people in this camp can't see how the people in this camp think and vice versa. Yeah. Are, you, are you talking about the American election? <laughs> Uh, no, well, I, <laughs> I wasn't going to touch a lot that. More. I wasn't going to touch that. I was no, just not going to. But it's the same way, though. It's two camps. True, true, true enough, true enough. Um, I was just me basically referring to the pandemic. Yes, absolutely. And the response to the current world events. Yeah. It, Wait, like, in fact, and I can relate it back, not just to that, but to, to people in business in general. Yep. We... No matter who we are, we're very, very happy with what we've done in our lives. And I, the, the example that I gave earlier when I started my, my first business, I knew it all yeah. up until we were starving. And then I said, oh, but there's a lot of people who don't want to veer off of that. Right. Just saying, well, geez, what if I read this? Or what if I talked to somebody? Or what if I watched a YouTube video but instead of just watching it, made some notes and then implemented those, the notes that I made. And that's because there's, I think, I think we're, you know, I think we all have a little bit of fear of the unknown. Absolutely. Yeah. Years ago, I put, I, 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 I was at a workshop once and somebody was talking about fear and I, and I don't know how it, why, how or why it came to me is I said, fear to me. And I just came up with it at the time. Fear means it's a funny emotion arresting results. And arresting is the key thing because any results that we get are good. Because whether they're absolutely what we wanted or the worst thing that ever happened, at least we know what doesn't work. Right. So we can try something else. Right. So let me pick up on that. And, and I think we've had this conversation before, but for the benefit of our listeners to get a bit of your wisdom here, I think I made the case to you some years back, and it ties in with the eight traits you found when you were doing all those interviews of people who'd lived through bad stuff, that the, as you know, the COVID thing does not worry me in the slightest. The reaction to it does. And when people say, how can you be so relaxed? I say, for two reasons. At some stage, I'm going to die. Whether it's tomorrow from the COVID virus or in 20 years time from another heart attack or being run over by a bus, both of those are more or less out of my control. And I just have to accept I'm gonna die. So I refuse to worry about it. But the second one to me is having had guns pointed in my face and being groups of up to 60 people threatening to kill me um, many times over a period and and a lot of other bad stuff, worrying about a virus that I've got a 99.9% chance of surviving from 
is not a big issue in my life. So the point I'm trying to make is that those of us and those of those who, who you interviewed who've been through some really bad times, and you've had tough times, um, it gives us a perspective on things that's somewhat different to someone who's had an easy ride through life. And, and I found in the first recession I lived through in South Africa and with the virus now, the people who've had an easy ride and suddenly their whole life has gone upside down really struggle. Some of them get over it quick, some struggle, some never get over it. Am I on the right track with having survived some sort of adversity? We're better placed for more or what do you think, Tim? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I, I, the, what, and I think Peter knows this, but I, I don't think you know Kathleen, unless Peter mentioned to you. Back about uh, 2003, I got an ear infection. That's right. I was, uh, I, was, I, was in the, I was trying out what I'd learned in the financial industry. And I chose a financial industry because if there's, a, if there's rejection in life, you get a lot of it in that business. Yes, you do. That's right. And so I had, to, in, in the first three years that I had been in the business, I did real well. I mean, I qualified for the million dollar round table and I was, you know, I, you know this self-confident Irish person here went over the top is what it was. <laughs> But then I decided that I was bored with the company, so I, I decided to go on my own, and I was on an appointment, oh, about oh, 45 minutes from here. And during the appointment, I got an earache. And it was the worst earache that I'd ever had. And so I finished the appointment, and I started to drive home. But on the way home, I got dizzier and dizzier and dizzier until I got home. And I got home, I, I you know, got out of the car and I, I just laid down on the couch. And the funniest thing about it, there, there's a saying that, uh, and because I'm Irish, I know this, is that an Irishman, and I don't drink anymore, by the way, but I, I could tell you this, is that an Irishman is never drunk as long as he can hold on to a blade of grass and doesn't fall off the face of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> the, the interesting thing about that is that the reason I bring that up is because I laid on the couch and we have an extremely long one. It's six something, over six feet long. And I thought that I was falling off the face of the earth, laying down from this dizziness. Wow. And well, it transformed how I looked at life. I mean, like, well, like Peter, you've gone through worse than I did. Cause I mean, I didn't have any people holding guns to me, but it took me six months to realize that if I didn't get my act together, I was doing it no one any good because I went from very, very high income to not going out. And I said, whoa, Tim, you got to get your act together. And so that's, and, and that's when I started to, uh, well, I, in fact, I started to make notes because I, I, I realized that if I didn't make it a learning experience, it would be a waste of time. So I made notes every day for five to seven years. I just had a, just a Word document, and I, and I was going to give it to my daughters. Because, I mean, they were, they, who knows, they, you know, they, they may have even read it, you know. And so I gave it to a, I gave it to a lady who I <laughs> truly respect. I'm glad you appreciate the humor, Peter. <laughs> Is, uh, I, I gave it to her and she had it for about six months. And all of a sudden she phoned me up and said, Tim, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. And I said, well, you know, she says, what do you want first? 
She said, and I said, well, give me the bad news. She said, I didn't edit it. I said, you had it six months, you didn't edit it. She says, I read the first 20 pages and it was 120 some pages, single spaced long. And she said, I read the first pages, but I got so interested in the way you'd written it, I forgot to edit it. That's when I realized that you had to go and find another editor. But she says, the good news is, don't put it on eight and a half by 11 typed and, th and, and put it in a three ring binder for your daughters. You better get it published. And so I did. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. so I have another question for you, Tim. You've worked with many organizations to improve productivity. What is the most common hurdle you've identified? Is there one? You know, I, I, I think that we as humans, we forget that our attitudes, thoughts, and work ethic affect us. They become great hindrances. Because if, if you think of our attitudes, and you know, we've talked about that quite a bit in, in what we've talked about already, our thoughts, I mean, you know, we all have this you know, negative self-talk at some time of our life. At least I, I think most people do, because I do. Absolutely. And then our work ethic, and of course it affects that. So it, it hinders us and that we're not able to, as, as I call, write the finest chapter in our life. Because if we can get all our thoughts marching to the beat of the same drummer, we can create wonder, a, a wonderful life for ourselves. You know, in fact, I, I, many, many years ago, I, I, I wrote this down and I don't wanna know whether it makes any sense, but I'll share it with you. I think sometimes we have a, a what I call an ailment, self-sufficient, stagnation imbalance mm -hmm. see we we all we are all about ourselves we're so good and, and it's good we have to have positive thoughts about ourselves but sometimes it's such an imbalance that we forget to to maybe just examine our own own lives just a little deeper i, I think did they ask for that we call that a rut wouldn't they Big ruts, big ruts. Yeah. But no one likes to admit they're in a rut. No. And, and, be, and because I was in the funeral business, I can say this. The only, <laughs> yeah. difference, the only difference between a rut and a grave is the depth. <laughs> oh. and, and I speak honestly yeah. on that because years ago in the 70s, when I was in the funeral business, I was asked by my employer at that time, to go help another person in a different area of the province that I was living in. I had to take the funeral coach up there and help him. And we, we had the funeral and then we drove up to a place called Turtleford. It's not the end of the world, but you can see it from there. <laughs> and they started to dig the grave for this, I think it was a lady and it's so long ago. And they came upon a massive boulder. So they dug around it and they dug around it and it was, without a lie, it was 12 feet long and six feet deep at, at parts. And that's why I always think about the only difference between a rut and a grave is the depth. Because this looked like a long rut. Is what long rut. <laughs> yeah. Jim, <laughs> we, we're going to be running out of time in a minute. So I don't want to miss the opportunity to give our listeners and viewers uh, a way to contact you. How can they contact you? Should they wish to talk to you? Well, in fact, I, I think probably the best way to uh, 
I, I don't think, it, well, first of all, I don't think anybody's going to run, oh, geez, you know, he's such a good guy, he's going to pick up the phone and call me and want to do work with me. So the fact is, what I would suggest is going to theresiliencedoctor.com, and I blog, I, well, I blog less than I used to, let's put it that way, but I, I blog at least once a month, and I, you know, you could look for, you know, my, my thoughts on different things and success stories and different people that I've done research on and stuff like that that may uplift them and help them write the finest chapter in their life. And if, if they really want to uh, take it further, my contact information's on that site as well. In fact, what I'll do, Peter, is I'll just, I'll share the link with you. I'll just email it to you. And that, that way you that's fine. We, we will put that on the video right at the point at, w at which we're talking. Uh, to my, something else that I know you've, you've helped a lot of people with, and that is as a grief counselor. Do you want to take a, a minute and talk about that or is up to you? Uh, well, it, it, it has to do with my, uh, with my background in the funeral business. When I left the funeral business or the funeral service, I may have left working there, but I've taken all of that knowledge and I guess compassion with me. And uh, well, right now I'm working with the Victorian Order of Nurses and uh, just volunteering. And uh, I, have, uh, I have quite a number of hours a week that I do. Well, now we're just doing it on the phone. And it's, uh, I just have such great compassion because we all have deaths in our lives. Mm -hmm. Like when my health changed drastically, when, 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 you know, when, when Peter had, you know, being, you know, had guns to his to his head that makes you think differently and it's all a form of death which is a loss of some part of you sure. and so I, I just believe in you know and, and, and grief therapy it, the way I do it and I'm not a grief therapist I'm just a volunteer the fact is uh, you've got to be a got to be a good listener listener good and and, and, uh -uh. And, do, and don't think that you have to have all the answers sure just to be a listener, and, and uh, that's really good, and, and I think a good service for the community that you provide there. We, we are out of time, so I must hand over to Kathleen to do her normal, wonderful end of our show. So over to you, Kathleen. Thanks, Tim, from me. You're very welcome, Peter. I, I'm honored that I was asked. Well, thank you so much, Tim. Yes, on my part too. Just uh, you've been a wonderful guest. So thank you so much. And uh, thank all of you for joining in and tuning in to our show. We so appreciate you. You have to know that. We appreciate your comments. So do please keep them coming. We read all of them. And if anyone out there is interested in becoming a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. So until next time, stay well and bye-bye uh, from us. <laughs>